Hebrews chapter 11. We covered this last time, but I want to make sure that we focus on the second part of this particular passage. So I'm going to read verses 8 through 12, particularly focusing on verse 12. But before we go to the word of the Lord, let's go to the Lord of his word. Father God, we thank you for this time when we come together to, um, to worship you as a, as a people. We can worship you alone, and we're supposed to at all times, but you also call us to come together, that, that um, you are among your people in a different way, in, in a special way when your children gather together for your praises and for your worship. And one of the ways we acknowledge our worship is to hear you speak to us. We, we sing to you, we pray to you, and, and now we want to hear from you. So we pray that the words of my mouth would be in conformity to your spirit and the things that you would have us to hear from your word. So we pray that you would not only give me clarity of, of speech, but everyone clarity of hearing, that you would help us to focus on what's going on, and that by your spirit you would change us all. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. The word of the Lord. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The word of the Lord. So just to look at these, these verses to see where we are. Number, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. So it was by faith that he obeyed. And what we're going to see is it isn't his obedience that causes him to be righteous, but it's his faith which counted him as righteousness, but from his faith comes obedience. And so from our faith should come obedience. And it's really a terrible word, isn't it? I mean, it's some, the, the, some of the vows we take as in our wedding ceremony sometimes is, I promise to love, honor, and obey. It's like, you know, can't obey somebody all the time perfectly so then we carry that over to God and to say that you obey we think of that as legalistic and it's like your heart is not right if you hear the fact that we're to obey God and we think that is a burden so we need to think about that because it means we have a problem with our faith so Abraham by faith he obeyed when he was called so he was called by God. He's not just obeying man. He's not just obeying the whims of what he wants or doesn't want. God spoke directly to him. He heard, he trusted, and he obeyed. He acted upon what he had been told by God to do. And then in verse 9, by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents. So life was not as easy as staying home. It didn't he left prosperity to follow the will of God into greater prosperity for spiritual blessings for the entire world. But he left his home 
with his family, all that he knew, and followed the Lord where the Lord was leading him to go into a land of promise. And he went with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So what we see is the promise of God is being passed down and going to be passed down to other generations. So God makes a promise of one person. Well, that guy's going to die. Well, he's going to have children. And the promise is passed down. The promise is passed down. And then we know ultimately his descendant is Jesus Christ, in whom all the nations of the world shall be blessed. But it goes back to Abraham had faith. Abraham obeyed. And the promise was passed down to other generations. And then in verse 10, he was looking forward to the city that had foundations whose builder was God. So Abraham's faith caused him and enabled him to be forward-thinking. It enabled him to be future-focused and not just on the problems that we're having with our tents the problems that we're having with our family, the problems that I'm having because I don't have everything I had when I left and I'm not sure where I'm going and people have to be giving him, you know, grumbling as they did with Moses a lot. But he was future-focused so that he could endure present troubles. He knew there was a destination and anything else along the way was just things that were happening along the way to a promised future. And in verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, when, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So Sarah didn't just hear the promise. Then after an initial reaction of incredulity, she's like, you know, one would initial reaction to be laughter. But then she considered God not to be only a promise maker, but a promise keeper. She knew if God promises, once she understood, according to Hebrews, <coughs> that God had truly promised this, then she considered him to be faithful. Anybody can make promises, but how faithful is the person that's making these promises to you? We, we hope in a marriage the spouse is faithful. Promises are made, but are they kept? Is there a faithfulness? And it is one of the... Um, aspects of the fruit of the Spirit for the believer that we would also be faithful when we have our word and we've made promises, we've made vows that by the Holy Spirit we too would be called faithful to keep our promises and that we too would consider God as faithful to keep his promises. And then verse 12, therefore, and it's often been said, you have to know what the therefore is therefore. So you can say therefore, what? Therefore, and what I want to do is go backwards. Therefore, what therefore? Therefore, what just came before this that now is going to lead us somewhere else? And what has come before us is since Abraham obeyed, and that was only because he had faith. Therefore, since Abraham had faith in God and his promises, there were born descendants. There were children, there were grandchildren, there were great-grandchildren, as many as the stars in the heavens. Verse 12, from one man, and him as good as dead, I mean, he was very old. He was like way too old to be having children, and he was pretty old 
just be doing anything. <laughs> and still, there were born of him descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So if you live in a city and you look up at the sky, you might think, well, you know, don't see that many stars. But you go out where there's no light pollution. You go out and you look up at the sky and it's like innumerable stars. There's even a, a cloud that goes all the way across the sky at certain times of the year. And it's not a cloud. It's the, an arm of our galaxy that's just stars, un innumerable stars. It looks like a cloud. And then with telescopes and different things, Hubble Space Telescope, we're able to go out. You're able to, there's a dark area of space that you look out in. It's like there's nothing there. And then the Hubble Telescope, the Hubble Telescope, they point it right into this area where there appears to be nothing, and Hubble's able to look further than a man's ever looked. And what do they see? <laughs> innumerable galaxies. Galaxies, which are innumerable stars. So he's speaking in hyperbole. There's a good word. Children, vocabulary word, hyperbole, to overthrow something. Okay? You guys listen like rocks. That's sort of, it's not exactly a hyperbole. A little bit of both, I guess. But when you, when you say something beyond what you mean, just to make, an, make a point, that it's going to be an innumerable amount of children. This is the number. So Abraham is like, I'm this old, never had children, and you're telling me to go out and look. Well, let, let's look at this. So go to um, Genesis chapter um, 12. And let's see. Let's experience this with Abraham. First book of the Bible. And kind of, when you're reading the Bible, and you especially, you know, there's a Richard Pratt, I think it is, wrote a book about biblical interpretation, and it's called He Gave Us Stories, which is an interesting thing. So we have letters and we have things in the Bible that, um, you know, tell us specific things, but even those are in the context of a story, so that God gave us stories. So when we're reading the Bible, we're listening to the Word of God, we need to be able to put ourselves into the story. So like if you're watching a movie, you just sort of, you get into it. You're there with it. So if anything happens in the room at a tense moment, you jump because, I, oh, I thought I was in the movie. So we have to be in this moment. So as we go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, now the Lord said to Abram, this is Abraham, he gets his name changed later, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now we don't miss that. We're blessed to be a blessing. God was not just blessing Abraham because he wanted to bless Abraham, he was blessing Abraham so that even the, the blessings of God that come to us today are from Abraham. God was blessing Abraham. He was blessing us by blessing Abraham. If you are blessed in any way, it is not just for you. It is that you might be a blessing to those who are near you, around you, far away. In any way that you can do good for others, you are to do that. You've received the gospel so that you might give the gospel to others. You have received finances so that you can give finances to others. I apologize to Mike Barker. He majored in finance and told me it's not pronounced finance. It is pronounced finance. So, that's for you, Bark. He's a Yankee. So, you are blessed 
financially, you are to bless other people financially. If you are blessed with a car, how can I be a blessing with my car? And you can see, as we're talking about deacons, um, you, you know a deacon because whenever they get something, it's like it's a blessing to everybody else. And we know people like that, and some people have that particular gift. But we should want somebody to be blessed because they're going to be a blessing. It's like if you know somebody that every time they get something, they give a lot of it to you, you just want that person to be blessed more because you're a little selfishly maybe. But then if you're blessed by that person, then you've got to be careful because then you should take what you've been given and be a blessing to other people too. It's, it's a, a um, part of the living scripturally that we can't miss, especially in a country of such great blessing. We have to make sure that we're always seeking ways to be a blessing to others, not fearfully worried what will happen to us. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. Now, we know this promise comes to the church today. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went. Now, that's the good little part. So Abraham went. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the by faith part. And if it hadn't been for faith being given to Abraham, he would not have went. And then, I don't know, I guess God has plan B. But there is no plan B with God. It's always the same from the beginning. But we have to see what he did and what he was promised. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then Genesis 15, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of, of Damascus, who was not his son. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So imagine that. God has said, you know, he's complaining to God. I don't have any children. I don't understand. How can this be? And so God takes him outside. And he says, Look. And there weren't, not light pollution, okay? So he could probably see even more than we're able to see today. And he looks up at the sky, and if you think of it on a night when you can just see stars, he says, that's how many kids you're going to have, if you can count them. I mean, that's crazy talk. And he's just like, that's a promise from God. How can that be? How can that be? And what a visual thing that is. And it's one thing to have a promise. It's another to have visual aids, okay? So you look up, that's how many kids you're going to have. And he's not saying that's how many children you're going to have, you know, this one generation. But somehow, this is your offspring. This is what it's going to be like for you. If you can number them. And in verse 6, and he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. The Lord counted it to Abraham as righteous. So it's a one thing to see, to be taken outside and told, look, 
That's what your descendants, your offspring is going to be like if you can number the stars. And you can look at that and you go, okay. And walk away just not believing it. No way, no way. But he believed him. And no reason for it physically to believe him. But he believed the promises of God because it was a God. And that was credited to him as righteousness. This is an important statement. This isn't some little sideline thing. If you want to get the gospel in a little verse, this is it. This is how we get to go to heaven. This is how we escape hell. Because by faith, because Abraham believed the promises of God, that was counted to him as righteousness. And he says, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he goes on and talks to him about how he might possess the land and these different things. And then Genesis 22. He has his son. And then God tests Abraham and says, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham went early in the morning, and he goes, and he goes to sacrifice his son. And if you know the story, he begins to raise the blade and bring it down upon his son. And God says, stop. And he provides for him a substitute sacrifice. Now, tradition says that at Mount Moriah, where he was, it was also Golgotha, where Jesus eventually was crucified, quite possibly. But if it's not physically your location, it's spiritually your location because this is the image of the gospel again. That there will be a substitute given. That God will be the one to give his own son in our place. So his son Isaac was let go. He was a son of promise and a ram was sacrificed in its place. But Isaac was not the promised seed the promised one to come was jesus christ who would be sacrificed in our place the son who would be sacrificed the one of whom the father would not say stop the one where the blade figuratively speaking it continued to go through as the nails went through and then we get to genesis 22 verse 16 we read, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. So you see, obedience and faith are tied together. It was his faith that was counted as righteousness. But because he had faith, he obeyed, even to the point of being willing to sacrifice his own son. Now remember, he's hearing directly from God at a time where God was speaking directly to the patriarchs, speaking directly to Abraham. But look at this promise again. Now he adds to it the grains of the sand on the shore. Now, when, if you're standing outside at night and you're looking at stars, that's awe-inspiring. You look at the beach and the sand, it's not quite as awe-inspiring. But have you ever tried to count the grains of sand? I mean, are there more stars in the heavens or more sands of grain on the seashore? I don't know. 
lie at you. They don't know. But the point is, if you ever try to count, I mean, you could be there. You would certainly be there all day trying to do that. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, again, I am promising you something amazing beyond your ability to comprehend. But you need to believe me because I am the one who is promising this. And the good news is, the amazing thing is, and I would recommend it, next time you're at the beach, pick up some sand and get it down to some granules. And then remember this, you're one of those grains of sand. You go out and look at the stars. Remember, you're one of those stars. You're one of those that he's talking about. If you're a believer in Christ, you're the offspring that Abraham is being promised. That's us. We are heirs of that promise made all the way back to Abraham. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, little church, don't forsake the Lord. Because faith in Christ is also what caused Abraham to believe. And remember, that church was thinking of returning to the Jewish faith who saw Abraham as his father. And what the Hebrew writer is saying now is, Abraham is your father. You are heirs of the promise. And it was only because of his faith that God was able to do this. And you have that same faith. The only difference between us and Abraham was the mission that God gave Abraham to do. He has given us a mission to do. He has given us things to do. And he has called us to obey by faith. So go to Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This is all about faith. And it's all about our salvation. It's all about remaining faithful. It's all about being able to do the things that God calls us to do because we have faith out of the power that faith gives us, but also recognizing the fact that if we're not obeying God, we have to look at our faith. And another thing that will happen too is disobedience can cause you to doubt your faith because man in his sin suppresses the knowledge of God. So if you're ever in a time when you're struggling with your faith, which you, in a strange way, one of the things you need to look at is your obedience because perhaps you have sin in your life that's causing you to suppress that knowledge of God. And so you have to go to God humbly and um, with the idea of repentance and also looking to him for faith to acknowledge our need for him. So in verse 3 of Galatians, sorry, chapter 3, verse 1 of Galatians, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer is, we hearing with faith. That's how you got saved. You know, when you think about how you were saved, was it because you were doing good stuff or was it because you came to faith? And any true believer will say, I became a believer when God revealed himself to me. Not when, well, I started doing better. And this is a false gospel that a lot of people believe in, that I started doing better, I cleaned myself up, you know, I got out of whatever it was I was doing, and then I started going to church, and then, you know, I got around other people, and I started doing better, and I got myself in school, and I started doing this. It's like, that's great, that's great, that's great. So where's your faith in God? Did you repent? Are you following him? What's going to happen? I've asked this question of some people who get out of something uh, like drugs or some other lifestyle or whatever, and they're seeing this is so great. And I'm like, well, that is wonderful. It is great. Make sure you surround yourself with people who are there to help you. But 
when you fall, when your friends abandon you, when life takes another drastic turn and the, the, what the, whatever it is is yanked out from under you, what are you going to do? Are you still going to have faith in God or are you going to say, I've blown it and you, you're gone? And that's what a faith based on works does. It eventually realizes it's too hard. It's too heavy. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I can't do it. And you fall away. And what Paul is saying to the church of Galatia is, you're being ridiculous. You didn't begin by works of law, but you began by hearing with faith. Having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? So you begin your life with faith. You can't be, and if the Bible didn't say it, we'd like, wait a minute now. You got to, you know, once you, once you get your lights turned on, now you better start doing good. And it's like, and that's how we get perfected. And the author of Galatians, Paul, is saying, no. You're going to be perfected by the Spirit in faith. That's what's going to happen. And it will change your life. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God... And it was counted to him as righteousness. So he's talking to the church in Galatians, and he's saying, just like Abraham believed, it's counted him by. So you, this is the message to you. Just like Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness, so you believe, and it is credited to you as righteousness. Your faith is what's credited to you as righteousness. And the world, the worldly church cannot hear this. The worldly church will focus like a laser on works and forget the gospel of faith. And they will say, look at you. You're focused on faith and you don't have any works. And then we get all guilt feeling about it, so we start focusing on works and forgetting faith. But if you just focus on God and faith, and it being credited to you as righteousness, the Holy Spirit will work through you as you're reading the Bible and doing Scripture. You're guided by faith, and you will do works. That's what James says. Show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm not going to show you my works by my works. I'm not going to show you how God loves me because of my works. I'm going to do works because I know God loves me. Know then that it is those, this is verse 7, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. We're the sons of Abraham. Male or female, you're sons of Abraham. Jew or Gentile, sons of Abraham, if you have faith. So when he looks out, this is the promise. That was the blessing. You are sons of Abraham. Now here's a little line, theological line for you. The Abrahamic promise, the Abrahamic covenant, is not what the New Testament calls the Old Covenant. Now if you can't keep up with this, write it down, figure it out. Google it. No, don't do that. You might go astray with this one. The old, the old covenant is done away with. And the Bible is clear. That is the covenant that was made with you when I brought you out of Egypt. That's the covenant with Moses. Abraham's before all that. And that's the covenant that we're brought into. That's the new covenant is living. But it's the fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham. Verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, justify, that means to make righteous, to declare innocent, that God would declare us, non-Jews, as innocent, 
as just as not guilty by faith he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you shall all the nations be blessed so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith and then go down to verse 13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And that's what the cross was a type of tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So what's he saying has been promised to us? Because that's what we're looking for. I want to know what's God promised, and then by faith I will believe it. We've been promised the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. We have been promised that. Your baptism represents that. As different people do baptisms in different ways, but one of the ways we do it is by pouring as the Holy Spirit descends upon you. As your hearts are sprinkled with the clean water of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ, as it represents the cleansing of the Holy Spirit that is given to us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness and guides us into truth. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit within you because that is the promise that God has made and that's from the blessing given to Abraham, given to us. Then the same chapter, Galatians 3, verse 29, and you are Christ's, you belong to Christ. If, sorry, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So we just need to understand this because it is pivotal to the way we interpret Scripture. It is pivotal, pivotal to the way you interpret life around you is that you are blessed. You are Christ's. If you have faith in him and believe in him, and if you are him, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. The promise made all the way back. And the, the, Paul's point is, since you're heirs and he is our father, it is by faith. Your faith is the essential thing to your life, not your works. If you get focused on work, then what you'll do is you'll focus not so much on your works, but everybody else's works. How dare they do this? How dare they do that? How can I put up with people like this? I can't, you know, so all of a sudden it's how people are treating me and you become elevated in a strange way. When we start to say I'm going to be a servant by works, then we actually become masters of our own lives and the master of lives around us. Because once you begin to think that the way, if, you're, if you work at, if you have, a, okay, I'm trying to think children, how, what might you recognize in this? You're in a class. And this one kid, the teacher just loves that one kid. Oh my goodness, that kid can't do anything wrong. And so what you start to do is you really start to be aggravated about that kid. You really start to get aggravated about that kid. You don't necessarily get aggravated about a teacher. 
although you might too, but that kid really starts getting your nerves. So what do you do? You either do something to make that kid look bad or you try to do something to make yourself look better. But if that never works, then you really start to get mad at the situation. And so what you have to do is you have to start to think in the way Jesus said to think. Don't worry about other people. Think of other people as more important than yourself. But how can you do that? You have to do it by faith, trusting that God is the one watching you. God is the one that's going to take care of you. And that God doesn't treat us like that. God doesn't have the favorites like this. God loves you the way you are, and he loves you too much to leave you that way. It's by faith that we grow. It's by faith that we are pleasing in the Father. And that was promised to us because we inherit the promises of Abraham and Abraham received the blessing of God. He received the righteousness of God just by believing. Before he was circumcised, before he did anything else, just by believing. And Paul's talking to a church in Galatians that's trying to be perfected by their works and he's saying, you're foolish. How can you possibly do that? Because it is by faith So we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. And so if you go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're looking at what he's telling this church and the church during that time, his point is, if you go all the way back to chapter 10, verse 39, he's warning them about falling away and he says but you we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls it is your faith in Christ that will preserve your soul it is your faith in Christ that will preserve your soul so whatever we go through in the future and I cannot understand how the church in the world particularly in the United States hasn't experienced actual true persecution yet. Well, we haven't experienced worldly persecution because we're pretty tame anyway. We kind of act like the world a lot. I'm more concerned, I don't understand how God hasn't unleashed his wrath upon the church in this country. But you have the visible church and the invisible church. The visible church are all people who claim to be believers, but they may not have the Holy Spirit. They may not even have faith, but they're members of the church. They claim to be churches. They're entire denominations. They're nothing but synagogues of Satan. You will know them by their works, and we will be known by our works. And so what we have to make sure that we do is that we are faithful. I think there's going to come a time, I hope, I can't believe. If you can't see the darkness encroaching our country, then you are already blind. There is great darkness on this country. The church is under great I don't even want to say it's under attack because you can't see it. It's rotting from within. So let us not be a part of that. And let us make sure we clean up our own house before we criticize the world. But it's going to get, I hate to say this, I almost want to, I hope it gets harder so that we can increase our faith. It is so easy, it has been so easy to be a believer, to be a church in this country that when when the hard times come, you will know who stands on the rock and who has the house built on the sand. And 
as I listen to the world proclaim its blasphemous claims of speaking on behalf of God, I don't know how God has such patience. And if it bothers me, I can't imagine how badly I bother God. So I want grace. I want mercy. I want him to say, I'm going to overlook that one. <laughs> I'm going to, we're going to keep going. We're going to, we're going to grow you. You're going to be all right. I love you. I've got you. You're hidden in Christ. Now, and then maybe there's some discipline that happens and he grows you. And on the other side, you're like, thank you, God, for changing me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but we have to be focused on us. And as we focus on us, what we're focused on is, are we believing in Christ? Do we have faith in Jesus? And if you try to demonstrate your faith by doing stuff, you can't do that. But as you focus on his word, you dig into his word, you dig into scripture, you dig into the lives of other people, praying with them and for them and serving with them and for them and through them, and trying to think of other people as more important than yourselves. But you don't get lost in the service. You get lost in the spirit. You get lost in the word. And then he propels you and moves you to where you ought to be, where you need to be, who you need to be, where you need to be so that as God's doing God's plan, he has certain things he has for us from the foundations of the world foreordained these steps that we should walk in them. You walk in them by faith. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Don't be um, egotistical. Don't be conceited. Don't be arrogant. Don't be spiteful. Be loving. Be caring. Be generous. Be faithful. But you, it's, we so badly want to do it like we're weightlifting. And the only way to lift weights is to continue to add more and have a partner that's, I mean, I watched at the University of South Carolina, I watched weightlifters and what it was like watching people that hated each other. <laughs> Because they're yelling at each other. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's like, ah, I can do it. I can do it. They're pushing and pushing. They get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I think we believe that as Christians, it's all dependent on us. And it's, it's not. And it's a hard thing to grasp. Because what I'm telling you is develop spiritual disciplines. <laughs> Start reading the Bible. But, if you, but it has to be by faith. And when we come to the table, it's the clearest demonstration of the gospel that he gives us. You come into the faith by being baptized. You don't baptize yourself, but as you take and eat and you take and drink, it is God saying, Jesus saying to us, you can't do this without me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But I want you to take and I want you to eat and I want you to be in my word and I want you to be in my church and I want you to be with other people and I want you to think of other people as more important than yourselves. I am your Lord and Master. You teach other people to do what I say do. You're a disciple. You're a follower. And we do that by faith. And you know that when you fail, he still loves you. You preach the gospel to yourself and then you pray that he would use you um, as we go forward into a world that could be fearful but if you have faith, it's like, this is opportunity. So let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would grant us 
to be fearless, that you would grant us to be hopeful, that you would grant us to be clear in our communication of the gospel, that we understand what the gospel is, that no one comes to the Father but by me, that man has sinned, we fall short of the glory of God, no one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ. You sent your son to live a perfect life in our place. He died on the third day. He rose again so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You paid the penalty for our sin. Help us to believe it. Help us to, to walk in it. And help us to grow in that. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.